It is your Monday happy hour, and it is the perfect way to kick off your sports week with the weird, the wild, and the wacky in the sports world. This is Out of Bounds. I, of course, am John Alba. That's not me, O'Brien. That is my good old buddy Jordan Katz making his Out of Bounds debut right here on the Know Your News Network. Jordan, what's going on, my man? Excited to rendezvous with you here on our weekly monday sports happy hour before all the madness of the week ensues what's cooking man very excited brother thank you so much for having me on really appreciate it i'm excited to do this uh you know you and i have done stuff for a long time but this is a little different than the things we normally do and a little more of the colorful side of the two of us so let's get right into it man i'm really excited so you guys know the deal here we talk about all the crazy stuff going on in the sports world. Sometimes they're weird stories. Sometimes it's traditional stories, but we take a little bit of a different slant on them. That's what we do here on Out of Bounds. And the best part about Out of Bounds is that it is super engaging. We want you to be a part of the show. And the way that you can be part of the show is by heading over to kynchat.com or by leaving a super chat right there on YouTube or wherever you're watching this, because we will read your super chat on air and get your thoughts on air as well over the course of this conversation, kynchat.com, or you can just leave a super chat right there on YouTube and we will get your comment up. We love some good engagement here on Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network. And I say we waste no more time, Jordan, a little bit of an opening toast. Why don't we normally, Mia and I do this every single week. Mia is on sabbatical this week. Uh, how appropriate. You have a little Jets water bottle koozie. Sure there. do. Appropriate. I've got some Jameson uh, for you. And I have this- never gotten a shout out for that, by the way. For those of you who have watched John do shows where he has drank, that Jameson is my influence. Don't let him think that <laughs> let him convince you that it's anybody else. That is all me. Okay. It is. But, <laughs> but uh, I will propose this toast to the New York Jets, who will be the start of our show here on Know Your News, because boy, howdy, we know those J E T S need to D R I N K. Cheers to that. Here we go. Mm-mm. smooth you you took a good swing for me appreciate you smooth 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 unlike zach wilson who is very much not smooth jordan katz he is our opening story here on out of bounds on know your news now the new york jets a team you're very very familiar with yourself uh fell in heartbreaking fashion to the new england patriots once again a punt return touchdown uh ending this one 10-3 this past week but it was particularly bad because of zach wilson the quarterback who was 9 of 22 with 77 yards. The Jets punted 10 times in this one. And listen, you can chalk it up to a bad performance. He's been consistently showing that he's inconsistent. But it was after the game when he was asked if he left the defense down, and Jordan, he said no. And with that, several Jets players actually liked a tweet from Jordan Lewis saying that Wilson did lead them, let them down, including rising star Sauce Gardner. Jordan. Same old yeah. Jeff, huh? Look, as bluntly as I can put this, the goal for 2022 was to figure out if Zach Wilson was the quarterback of the future, right? Not sugarcoating anything there, not saying anything anybody didn't know. 
it's okay to have a bad performance as a young quarterback, contrary to popular belief. We live in a world where we think that quarterback play is phenomenal in the National Football League, and we live in a world where we want immediate results out of our franchise, you know, out of our star quarterbacks right away, and that's just not realistic. Uh, the, the blatant example of, of it is Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen has a year one that's rough, a year two that's okay, but they win a lot, and then a year three explosion. Fine. When you have a softball, Connor Hughes threw him a softball question because Josh Allen actually showed you how to answer this for the last two weeks. He threw him a softball here, knock it out of the park. Here it is. Zach Wilson. It's not what you want. I, I don't, I don't. He fumbled. <laughs> he fumbled. Words, just like he fumbles the ball. Actually, he throws interception. Sorry. That's more apropos, but uh, listen, man, in New York, you have to understand the way that you succeed in the eyes of the public is by taking accountability. Right. When you take accountability, you can be really bad, but you will earn yourself goodwill. And that is something that Zach Wilson did not do here. And when you have your own teammates clowning you, what kind of look does that give you as the appointed team leader? What does that say about your leadership abilities? When it's very clear that your style of play is not working right now and your caliber of play is not getting the job done, this is extremely irresponsible leadership. And, Jordan, I just have one, one question for you. Why can't the Jets ever get this right? I have no, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, again, the thing about this one that makes it even worse is because when you talk about situations right now around the National Football League, Trevor Lawrence has an okay team at best. Justin Fields has a terrible team around him. Um, you know, Mac Jones right now, the New England's not a great football team. They're okay. They're well coached, but that's about it. Uh, when you flip it to other young quarterbacks that have kind of weathered the storm through tough times, like a Daniel Jones across town. Um, Daniel Jones has made a really good leap this year, despite not having a lot of weapons. And the mistakes that Daniel Jones makes, like like yesterday's game when he does not play spectacular, those are excusable because your team is not so great. So we're a little lenient there. In the case of Zach, this team's ready. There's more talent on this team than I think a lot of people thought. Maybe not necessarily those in the organization. I think they thought they would be here right away. Right. But, you know, there's a lot of talent here. And Zach, it's, it's time to show up now and it's not there. So how do the Jets keep screwing up quarterback debacle? Quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. This team has not had a franchise quarterback, truthfully, since Chad Pennington. And even that is somewhat of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, look, when you're developing a quarterback, you got to give him weapons. Um, you have to put him in a situa in situations to be successful. And you have to put them in systems to be successful. Um, if you look at the quarterbacks in recent memory from New York, um, Mark Sanchez actually had that and was not as successful when they tried to open it up a little bit for him. Geno Smith did not have that. Geno Smith, credit to him, has found a career in San Francisco, yeah. in, in, uh, excuse yeah. me, in Seattle. Big credit to him. And that offense actually looks a little more of like what Geno could be running at the NFL level, which is something along the lines of what he ran at West Virginia. Go ahead. Is it too much an overreaction to suggest that this is the beginning of the end for Zach Wilson? No, because of his comments. It has nothing to do with the play on the field. When you make a stupid, stupid, stupid comment 
that alienates your locker room, you it's have a problem. There's no turning back from that unless you play your ass off and show on the field that you can win football games. This is, I'm not even a Jets fan and I'm hot about this. This is what the New York Jets have been for so long. And now, Jordan, you got their head coach saying, eh, I don't even know if he's going to start next week. Which is the right move because he has to do it because he lost the locker room. If he doesn't come out and say, I don't know if Zach's the starter, then that's the coddling and that's the babying that all players hate when it comes to young quarterbacks. He has no choice but to say what he said because his quarterback put him in the situation. He's got no choice. Zach had softball after softball in that interview and botched it. He was asked about why he struggled. He talked about the weather. He was asked about, did he cost the defense? He said, no, dude, you are nine of 22. And if anybody with a pulse tweets your all 22 video where they show Denzel Mims on a wide open post and Elijah Moore on that third and one before the punt as a wide open cross, the Jets ran a clear out for a crosser and Elijah Moore had 15 yards and he didn't come off of his first read. It's not hard. This isn't difficult. This is not groundbreaking material for an NFL quarterback. And and listen, I understand the Jets got off to a hot start. No one with the demonstrated track record, nobody is expecting Zach Wilson to be a top five quarterback in the league right now. But this is not competence. This is not what you expect of an NFL starting quarterback. And listen, guys go through droughts. Guys play poorly. It happens. But taking accountability is everything in sports, especially in New York City in the New York media market. If you don't, you're a clown. You come off as a clown and you will get your ass run out of there without anyone missing you. Can we I go to, don't can think we go to some like Yeah. Can we go to some real quarterbacks, please? Because I, I don't I don't know if I can talk. I, I could talk about Zach Wilson for <laughs> I can rant about Zach Wilson for hours, but I don't know if that's the best okay. part of the viewers. So let's go to some real quarterbacks and let's talk about uh, the Sunday night football game. That was absolutely just from start to finish. It was a show. Um, it starts with Justin Herbert and it starts with Justin Herbert, who has actually had a really good year, despite the fact that his numbers might not look great because he's lost some weapons. Well, he gets Keenan Allen back and he gets Mike Williams back and he looks solid, but then Mike Williams goes down and the Chargers are down three and it's time for a big drive. And Justin Herbert puts together the big drive and now it's 27-23, a minute 47 to go. I think that's right, a minute 46 to go. And everybody said, well, that's too much time for Patrick Mahomes. And lo and behold, that was too much time for Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> who marches his team down the field on a six-play, John, six plays. Six plays! God, what competence that is! Six plays, 76-yard touchdown drive in a minute 15, and the Chiefs win 30-27, to and have more or less buried their rivals in the AFC West. By the way, talk about a division that has just fallen on their face with the yes. money they spent, the AFC West. My question to you, John, is how have teams not learned to give Patrick Mahomes too much time because the Chargers had a chance to milk a little more clock or maybe use some of the timeouts the Chiefs had in that goal to go? 
and didn't do it. I mean, we've seen other teams do it too, where you, if you run the ball, you go down before you reach the goal line. You're just trying to kill time. These are things that you have to do when you're facing teams like Patrick Mahomes. Cause I don't know if you knew this, but Patrick Mahomes looks like a shortstop out there. And the reason he looks like a shortstop is because Patrick Mahomes' dad played Major League Baseball. Oh, did he? He did in the New York media market, by the way. The same media market that Zach Wilson plays in. But mm. that's particularly relevant here because it is seamless. It is easy for Patrick Mahomes. He has weapons. They have demonstrated year after year after year after year that it is – Brady syndrome. It is Eli Manning syndrome. And I know people are like, Eli Manning, what the? Eli Manning was an outstanding final two minutes of the game. Sure was. Sure was. When guys demonstrate that they can do this over and over and over and over again, you can't afford to take chances. And you need to game plan for that in practice during the week. You need to have situational practicing where, hey, guys, if we have a late lead or we look like we're about to take a late lead, this is how we're going to kill the clock. This is how we're going to ensure that we keep those offenses off the field. This, to me, seems rather elementary, Jordan. You know, it's so funny when you talk about situational practicing is for years um, I used to talk football. Uh, you know, my brother and I talk football all the time, and he is one of the, the smartest people I know when it comes to football. And he talked about how when it comes to situational practicing, what he was surprised no one did to Brady and to Rogers was to practice snap counts and practice silent hard counts. And when, you know, when the quarterback walks up to the line, taps the center on the behind, but doesn't go right away. Again, a little silent hard count there. That's a signal. And it's something the defense thinks is coming, but it's not Rogers and Brady are, amazing at getting teams to jump offside. And obviously, as we know, because it's been well-documented, getting teams stuck with 12 men on the field. When it comes to leaving the opponent too much time, it's not something that it's kind of a newer concept. And it's a newer concept because of the way the rules have changed and how you can move the ball down the field. But John, it ain't that new because we just watched Mahomes do it a year ago with 13 seconds on the clock. Exactly. Exactly. It's something where you, what's the, the old phrase? It's the definition of insanity to do, do things over and over, over again and expect a different yep. result. Yeah. Yep. This is insanity. Yeah. Now, listen, you might get lucky one day. Maybe Patty thinks he's playing short, uh, playing third base instead of shortstop. Maybe he doesn't have quite as much range in his motion. Maybe. Maybe he'll even throw an interception one day. Maybe he gets clipped as he's going forward and the ball pops loose and someone gets it. Man, I don't like playing those odds. I don't like playing those odds at all. This is a guy who has proven time and time again he can make a weapon out of anyone, including himself. Oh, yeah. I think teams, quite frankly, deserve what they get. You you get what you deserve when you leave time on the clock for a Patrick Mahomes style player. Brady has shown he's a little more human these days, but it's the same thing with a guy like Tom Brady guys who thrive in those situations are just built differently. They're built differently. 
and they sure. air differently. They sure. prepare differently. Yeah, no doubt. No that's, doubt. Just, that's just the way that I look at it. And uh, I think he will continue to demonstrate that. And if you're a playoff team and you're going to face Patrick Mahomes, prep for it. Pre-production is production. My old mentor told me that. Mr. Bird. Ian Eagle. The greatest play-by-play guys in the league today. Absolutely. If he's got that down. These teams can figure that out, too. That's action that's going on on the field. And sometimes the field becomes the playing surface for action from the fans. Because that's what's going on in the SEC. The fans are out on the field, Jordan. And it's not looking too pretty for these SEC schools. It was a crazy weekend. The SEC actually laid down some heavy fines on South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Vandy got fined $250,000 for its third violation of access to competition area rules in the last few years after fans hit the field following the team's 31-24 win over Florida. It was the first time they beat Florida in nine tries, hence why they stormed the field. And South Carolina got a $100,000 fine after its blowout win over number 5 Tennessee. Fans storming the field is not a unique trend. It's something that happens a lot. These are some heavy fines, and these schools can afford them, but there's some heavy fines. Is it ridiculous to penalize schools for fans storming the field, or do you understand the logic behind it? I understand the logic behind it, and yet it's ridiculous. I just Um, want to clown these Vanderbilt fans. I'm sorry. (laughs) Florida stinks. Florida's not good. Florida's not good. No. This ain't beating an Orange Bowl-bound Florida team. No. That's not what they are. No, it's not. Um, the The problem that we have here is we have entered an era where everyone storms the court at every point in time that they get. So storming the court or storming the field has lost its meaning. And then when you storm the court, we get instances where because we need to make social media or we need to make TikTok or we need to make Instagram or we need to make Twitter or whatever it is, uh, we're going to chop down the goalpost, carry it to the bars and then throw it in a river. Um, listen. If you don't want to have fans storm the field, find a way to get them to not storm the field. But you won't do that because it's awesome publicity and students love it and athletes that come in love it. And to be part of a storming the field or a storming the court is awesome. And it changes the atmosphere and it changes the environment. And South Carolina has their final big win, finally gets a big win, right? Guarantee South Carolina's a good program. You want to bet South Carolina's going to get some recruits because they had, you know, the big storm into the field and blew out Tennessee. I bet you they do, right? So the teams aren't going to, you know, the the institutions, the universities aren't going to stop them from storming the field. So slap them on the wrist and make I mean, it. I was say two hundred fifty thousand dollars is a big fine. I, I'm sure Vanderbilt will be fine paying it, but that's that's a heavy fine. Come on, that's a slap on the wrist for them. I it is a fine for fans. It's that nothing that the program itself did and for fans storming the field. It seems hefty. I mean, I'm not using programs inability to, I mean, programs. Uh, right. That that's the point, right? Is like, I, I, and now, you know, me, I'm like, Mr. You are ish niche. Like no one's allowed to have fun, which is very interesting that I'm taking that approach and you're being like, you know, we're kind of flip bodies here. Yeah. I, I, I'm just like, I, I'm typically, no, I want to beat traffic rather than. Mm-hmm. Field. I will say though, I think it needs to become more of a thing and it's building off your point. You have to somewhat act like you've been there before. I'll give South Carolina the chance with the Tennessee win. Tennessee's had a great year. 
number five team in the country coming in and you blow them out. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm sorry. I understand it's your first time being Florida in nine times, but this ain't this this ain't Urban's Florida team. No, it's not. It's not. Um, and again, that goes back to right. Everybody storms the court um, and everybody storms the field. And the whole process of act like you've been there before has lost some meaning. Um, I think it's lost some meaning because of the era that we live in and the social media area that we live in. But you can take it or leave it there. Like, um, bro, my hand went down into the depths of the field. I grabbed the dirt. Here it is on TikTok. I'm going to sell this now on my Etsy. Yep. And I'm going to make some money off this. Yep. And now the school has to pay for that. Come on. Come on now. I, I don't know. I just, again, for me, it's more act like you've been there before. It, there are outlier circumstances, but I'm, this is called John. You just don't understand college football. That's what I've been told. John, you grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't understand college football. I've been told this time and time again, I not that I covered or anything for seven no. years. No, 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 no. I don't know, but no, you don't get it. It's just different. You, you can excuse behavior because it's just different. LOL, it's for the lulls. Ha ha. I'm not about it. Just saying for what it's worth. I think that's fair. Um, transitioning to what is by far the biggest event uh, around the world for sporting wise. Oh, you're um, going to say transitioning to other clowns. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could have. I could have gone that route. Um, because the World Cup has kicked off. And... While we are on the topic of clowns, uh, the World Cup has kicked off in Qatar. And let's just say it could be going better. Government officials have gone back on their promises for LGBTQ representation, alcohol sales, and are even accused of bribing matches. That's not a joke. That's a real thing. There was a about 48-hour stretch here over the weekend where government officials were accused of trying to bribe a way for Qatar to wind up getting through the group stage. That's a real thing. If you have not seen John Oliver's last week tonight on the World Cup that just happened recently, give it a view once you're done watching the show because it is hysterical. John, my question for you is my question everybody, everybody asks every World Cup. Is FIFA just reaping what they sow here? This one more so than ever, though, because you know, Brazil was pretty bad in how they went about ramsacking villages, and there was a big social disparity with the class system. But we are talking accusations of egregious human rights violations in Qatar over the last six years leading up to this. Keep in mind, they, they built an artificial cloud to keep the surface cool, the playing surface cool, which is just insanity. Ridiculous, ridiculous. The price to stay in one of the Olympic Village-style uh, fan centers is absurd for a room that is this big. Firefest alert. Th there are talks, or ac again, accusations rather, that more than 4,500 people were either injured or died in helping make these games a possibility. And the reality is, it didn't have to be that way. It didn't no. have to. And people will make the excuses oh, well, they're the biggest sporting entity in the world, they're one of the biggest, and 
they reserve the right to hold the games and make money off it. Yeah, of course they reserve that right. But we have seen that games like this in the Olympics destroy infrastructures of countries. So for Qatar to go back on all of these things, it's horrible. But yeah, you get what you deserve. And you want to say, ah, oh, people will learn from this. They're not going to learn from this. No. Are you and kidding me? To double down, John, FIFA has said over and over. There's a real quote. Again, I'm taking it right from John Oliver's uh, last week tonight, but there is a real quote where FIFA talks about how democracy governments are worse for running the World Cup. And it's easier to run a World Cup with an authoritarian government. Literal words, out loud, spoken to actual people, not made up. That sounds like an Onion headline, but it's not made up. It's a real thing. And I again... The idea of FIFA ever learning from this is never going to happen. The idea that this is ever going to change, in my opinion, is never going to happen. And a large portion why is because FIFA knows we can put this thing wherever we want to. And as long as once in a while we give it to a good, you know, a, a, a group of countries that makes sense, a la 2026, when it is coming here to the United States. We're going to be okay. And so far, they've been proven right. So what incentive, John, is there for them to change? Because you can talk about human rights the entire time, but we're at a stage right now where that well, – it's, it's great to talk about. There is one incentive. That incentive, go ahead. that incentive is when advertisers go away. Sure. And, and when you have Budweiser as one of your largest advertisers and all of a sudden you're not allowed to sell alcohol – at these games, despite being promised, yeah, you'll be able to sell alcohol. That's when it becomes problematic for FIFA. That's when it becomes problematic for broadcast partners. So that's something that I try to monitor and think about and try to put into perspective. Okay, well, maybe just maybe you'll stoke some sense of change, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it. It's really sad because the reality is, Millions of people will watch this thing around the globe. Billion, maybe a billion people will watch this around the globe cumulatively yeah. over the course of the World Cup. Yeah, They will see Qatar paraded and heralded as this amazing host venue. Meanwhile, you have government officials overlooking reporters. Overlooking oh, is a nice way to put it. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. We're, we're, making, we're making the big money. The games are still going on as of now. I mean, the bribery, imagine, just imagine if that were something that had come to pass. You're talking about the entire integrity of competition at that point. Mm -hmm. Just think about that. Massive, massive disservice to the sport and to the fans. But unfortunately, in society, a lot of fans overlook those things. As long as they're getting their entertainment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look no me, further than home, by the way. Look no further than home. Happens in the U.S. And all the time. All the time, right? How many times do we talk about somebody that has said yeah, something? Irene, stepping foot on the Irene, court. Absolutely. How many times do we talk about somebody who said that something they weren't supposed to say that gets out of it because they, you know, they're dropping thirty-five on the court every night or something along those lines? Um, it's so funny when you go back into history and you talk about like where things have turned. I will never forget when Plexico Burris had his incident. And winds up, you know, with, with the gunshot wound and the accident and winds up going to jail. 
I'll never forget the first caller I heard on New York Airwaves said the words, when is he coming back? I'll never forget hearing that because that was like, oh my goodness, no one actually cares. They're just upset the Giants lost their number one receiver. You know, that was, and and again, it's only gotten worse from there. So I don't know if anything's going to change for FIFA, but I hope it does. I mean, I'd say it's been going on a lot longer than that, but you're you're not wrong about that. And guys, we want to hear what you got to say about all this stuff. KYNchat.com, leave your super chats. Or if you're watching on YouTube or wherever you're watching and you have the super chat option, that's probably the easiest way to do it. Just throw it right there and we'll read your comments on air. But Jordan, we are not done with the World Cup talk because it extends to the United States. U.S. looked like it had a one nothing win going against Wales, and uh, then it's gone. A 1-1 draw in group stage action here. They just get one point. This is uh, not what the United States had been hoping for after trying to re-earn some prestige. And an emphatic win out of the gates would have gone a long way. But instead, now the pressure is on in a very, very competitive group. So I feel like we find ourselves in this conversation every time there's a world cup if the u.s is involved in it say all right some success here might this might be the time that soccer really moves to the forefront in the united states does a good showing in the world cup actually cement that at any point here no because it hasn't mattered for hockey either and that's like the overarching theme for me here is that if it hasn't mattered for hockey and hockey has more popularity here than soccer does. Why yeah, would it matter for soccer? Larger audience. Though. I agree, but it's not a larger audience here. It's a larger audience across the globe. It's not a larger audience here. Um, I think the U.S. In terms of what's successful for the U.S. here, the U.S. has got to get out of this group stage. If not now, when? This is one of the most talented teams I've seen. This is the most talented team since Donovan's team in 2010. Um, this is. If not now, when for the U.S. group and the one one draw against Wales, it's not a death sentence. It's not what you want, but it's not a death sentence. What you're going to need is you're going to need to show up and play big boy, you know, put your big boy pants on and go get a result against England who hung a six spot on Iran. But I guess it's just more than anything in regards to the topic at hand. I think people romanticize the idea that if the national team does well, that people will care. And I would argue that the success of the women's team has certainly inspired a lot of people to pick up the game, especially young women and girls uh, to pick up the game in the United States. But I don't think the men have had that same resonating effect. Now, MLS had a really hot Mm -hmm. start upon its debut. It cooled down. I do feel like MLS is in a decent place right now. Mm -hmm. Just cured a solid meteorite steal. It's not in a bad place. And especially as you start to see guys like Messi come over and potentially play in MLS, that foreign star power aids and you hope that it grows the game. But barring the U.S. winning the World Cup, which I don't think any of us really see happening here, I think this goes over everyone's head upon their exit from the tournament, and it doesn't really do a whole lot. You know, what's interesting is I hadn't factored in the equation when you posed this of the impact that it has on people picking up the game and continuing it through a younger age. And that's truly how you make an impact. And you talked about the impact that the women's national team has had, and you've seen the growth in that, in, in that sport uh, on, the, on the women's side 
throughout high school and you don't see that because we all play soccer soccer's usually if you play a sport soccer is one of the first sports you play because you're a five six seven year old kid and your parents say hey go run around for an hour right so like soccer is a a sport that a lot of us play but a lot of us lose interest in or become specialized in different sport nowadays etc etc i had not factored that in the equation and that might be something that the u.s making a run on the men's side could have an impact on sure because we've seen it in golf we've seen the impact that tiger woods has had where these two and three sport athletes dustin johnson uh jordan speed's an athlete kepka talks all the time about he how he's an athlete how they choose golf over other sports so that might be something that can actually start to happen if the US US made a run. national team is a legit draw and they draw fans to their games and they draw eyes because they are a machine. And the U.S. men's team just has not been that. There's, there's no standard of excellence for the U.S. men's team. And one good showing would go a long way, but it is going to take, in my opinion, multiple good showings, including in the Olympics as well, for people to ultimately, in the United States, actually give a crap about... Yeah supporting the team beyond these major world events. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, this team is exciting. Uh, this team plays a fun brand of soccer, which we have actually not seen. The strength of this team is in the midfield. Um, that's certainly more of a sustainable strategy. It's a young, hungry, fun team. It's got a superstar. Um, so from that perspective of things, and you've seen some interest heading leading into the World Cup in other uh, world games for this U.S. team. So from that perspective, maybe things do start to change with this team. But the bottom line is this country won't care if they don't get out of group stage. And you need a result against England to get out of group stage, plain and simple. And, That's what it's going to take. And what is fascinating, too, is that this is a World Cup that is taking place during the holidays where people will have access to their TVs and not necessarily at work, even though people watch the World Cup at work all the time and pretend they care about soccer. But you'll have people gathered around where they might choose to watch the World Cup as as a unit, as a family. And that that could create an interesting dynamic for people growing up as well in that. But yeah. Final question here for you on this topic, John. Final question. Who do you pick? To have more viewers, the Sunday night football game, which a lot of people are asleep for on Thanksgiving or the soccer game against England on Friday. I'll take the football game. I don't think it's close. I'll take the football game, too. I don't think it's close. I think that's your answer. I think that's your answer, to be honest, because the football game is New England, who does not play exciting football, and the Minnesota Vikings, who might have 12 fans. So I think that's your answer. Okay. That's just my thought. On to the baseball offseason, where we have entered Hall of Fame talk, which my usually lines up. It is your favorite time of the year. And the 2023 Hall of Fame ballot was released today. And John, you are going to love this because this might be the most obscure Hall of Fame ballot I've ever seen in my entire life. I love it. Of course you do. Frankly, I mean, this is. The 90s and early 2000s and mid-2000s nostalgia. This is just, I mean, this is like every answer to every Sporkle quiz ever. Yes. 
I mean, uh, outside, I mean, we're missing Richard Hidalgo and Jay Buhner, and we've got it. Yeah. You know? So my question, John, is while we are on the obscurity, let's have a little fun here. Who's the, your favorite obscure player on the ballot? And then we'll get into who you actually think gets inducted. But now, who is your favorite obscure player now remember, on the ballot? To be eligible for the ballot, you have to reach a certain degree of service time, and there's some other factors. So there are going to be guys who stand no chance at all at going into the Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. but they make the ballot because of their service time yes. and their anything they contributed to the game. So the most important thing to remember about why we see so many new names on this ballot, which, as you can see, the ones in italics, Bronson, Arroyo, Carlos Beltran, Matt Cain, R.A. Dickey, Jacoby Ellsbury, Andre Ethier, J.J. Hardy, John Lackey, Mike Napoli, Johnny Peralta, Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, Houston Street, Jared Weaver, and Jason Worth. The reason we saw so many is because so many names left the ballot last year. We saw Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Kirk Schilling and Sammy Sosa leave the ballot last year. So as a result, that has given us this. This is amazing <laughs> because there is not one person on this ballot that you're like, yeah, I can confidently say that person's going. And listen, that's uh -huh. not an anomaly. There have been years where no one's been elected before, and you need 75% of the vote sure. to get elected on this writer's ballot here uh but man i'm all about all about all about andre ethier and r.a dickey being on this i love me a good knuckleballer love me a good knuckleballer <laughs> r.a dickey had a nasty knuckleballer for your boys sure did politics sure did and andre ethier was just one of those guys who was perennially around and that was his impact as far as I saw it. Yeah, Andre Ethier is the guy you get wrong in every trivia night, right? Like right. There, there's five players that did X and one of them's Andre Ethier. And you're just like, I, how am I supposed to get that? Um, who's, your, who's your favorite obscure name here? J.J. Hardy? Oh, saying? absolutely. It's definitely, um, you know, your boy J.J. not Matt Hardy. Um, yeah. uh, I just, I mean... Just talk about a guy who just did nothing special, but just played baseball. I mean, that is just just amazing that J.J. Hardy has wound up on this list. Again, the parameters lend itself to having guys on the list, like you mentioned. Um, boy, J.J. Hardy, what a blast from the past that is. Um, I will say maybe the best obscure player on this list uh, at their peak Um John Lackey was tough as nails on the mound. You're, um, you're, you're not going to seriously make an argument here that John Lackey's a Hall of Famer. No, but like I'm talking about the best. I'm talking about the best obscure player on the list. I mean, John Lackey was tough as nails and was willing to take the ball in any spot, even if sure. necessarily he maybe didn't deserve to take the ball in the spot. Right. So like, I all of the obscure players eating fried chicken in a locker room. But that's, that's besides. That's true. Of the obscure players, uh, but my God. Um, am I wrong to say no one makes it? Because that was my inkling. I, I do think you are wrong. Okay. I do think you are wrong. So I feel actually pretty confident with how the ballot opened up. I think this is the year that Scott Rowland gets the call. Wow. I think Scott Rowland, a guy that a lot of baseball fans – 
say belongs in the hall of really good, but has received the help of a lot of advanced metric deep dives. I think he probably gets in this year or comes extremely close. And the reason why he cracked in last year, percentage wise at 63.2%. So less than 12% away from the necessary 75% to Mm -hmm. get four or three guys in front of him. Four guys in the top five are off the ballot. Barry Bonds, David Ortiz, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling are off the ballot. David Ortiz, of course, got elected last year. So that opens up a lot of space. You can only vote for up to 10 people on your ballot. That opens up a lot of space for guys like Scott Rowland and Todd Helton. Todd Helton got 52% last year. Billy Wagner got 51%. Andrew Jones got 41.4% last year. That- Andrew Jones is the most underrated player on the ballot by a country mile, by the way. Andrew Jones had a last bad 10 years of his career, and there were some personal stuff off the field that happened that is probably holding him back a little bit just on the field most underrated the patrolling center field i i the, you know michael he's, harris he's a hell of a hitter too and michael harris out, out out in atlanta reminds me a lot of him because there's no ball he can't sure. run down and there's but no ball andrew jones can run down this is jeff kent's last year about he did win an mvp award i don't see him making that jump but i do think scott rowland's got a legitimate shot here among the newcomers there are only uh, a couple here. I'm going to pop it up one more time. Uh, among the newcomers, you have Francisco Rodriguez K-Rod, who in his height was as dominant as they got. Sure. As a reliever, but I don't know if he had the sustained dominance. I agree. And, and the big one is under a normal circumstance, Carlos Beltran, in my opinion, would be in. I think he's the greatest switch hitter in the history of the game, and that includes Mickey Mantle. I really do believe that. And that includes, but, and that includes uh, Larry over there? Yeah. Okay. And and but the problem is with Carlos Beltran, he had the cheating scandal with the Astros. Sure. He was considered to be the ringleader. But the way I weigh that is relative because this is a guy that since he got punished by losing the Mets job, the Yankees still hired him. They put him on TV. He was a special advisor. He's staying around the game. So I think ultimately happens. I'll guess that Carlos Beltran probably gets around 53% of the vote. I do think people will overlook it for the most part. The other guys are back in the game. Uh, My big question for you is Alex Rodriguez, those types. A-Rod had 34.3% of the vote last year. Manny Ramirez, 28.9%. Gary Sheffield, 40.6%. Clouded with steroid suspicion or admitted users. Do you see them making headway with some of these names coming off, or do you see them mostly staying put? It's going to be tough just because a precedent has been set with Bonds and Clemens not getting in. And now there's free license for anybody who was on that fence but kind of felt, you know what, I'm going to vote him because of X, Y, and Z. Now there's free license to not do that. So it's going to be a tough uphill battle for those guys to climb. And what's interesting about the Beltron comment is if you're going to put Beltron in for cheating because he cheated, doesn't matter that it was after his playing career, right? Well, it's in his playing career, but it but, was also not as hands-on cheating as some of these steroid users. I don't agree. I don't, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, again, we're splitting hairs at that point, right? Like, you know, if we're coming down to what side of cheating is worse, I mean. Oh, I, I 
don't disagree with you. I'm just, you know, so there, there is individual performance versus team performance there. And I do think there is some degree of variable. Okay. There's some, just my opinion. So no, it's fair. Variable. No, it's fair. And, and guys, we want to hear your thoughts on this, by the way. Leave a super chat. We'll read your thoughts on air, kynchat.com, or you can just leave it right there on YouTube because I could talk about the Hall of Fame stuff all day. Uh, listen, who of the obscure names gets the most votes? <laughs> I, oh, this is a good okay. game. Here's who of the obscure names will get enough votes to stay on the ballot next year. They got to get 5% of the vote to stay on the ballot. Huh. Okay. Do any of them. I mean, do any of them? We're, I would go. Is, is I, I would go. No, of do any of them. Is but Jeff, is Jeff Kent falling off the ballot? Jeff Kent probably falls off the okay. ballot. So I will say K Rod will get enough votes to stay on. I'll take your knuckleballer. I'll say the Cy Young carries him through the five. Okay. Wow. At no point in my fandom did I ever think Ari Dickey was a Hall of Famer, but. Maybe there are people that do. Uh, realistically, I think the people that benefit from this most, there's three guys. They are, of course, as, as I just mentioned before, I, I think Scott Rowland has a legit chance to get in or comes very close. Mm-hmm. I think Billy Wagner is going to make a really big bump in this, and I think he's going to make a jump, and I think Todd Helen's going to make a big jump. I think the last one's the biggest benefiter, in my opinion. I Todd think Helen. he makes a really big jump because of this ballot. Yeah. So I guess we will find out. And this last one here, Jordan, <clears throat> I know you're excited about this one, and I'm going to tee up a great picture of your boy, Ben Simmons. Oh, good. Ben Simmons has been – oh, boy. What, what's, a, what's the best way to describe Ben Simmons' last two calendar years? Um, Roller coaster. The Invisible Man. He's barely played. He's been disappointing. But recently, he's been pretty good for the Nets. He's actually been pretty good in the last three or four games. Well, guess what? He's got to play the Philadelphia 76ers, the team that drafted him, the team that traded him. He refused to step on the court for them, citing mental health issues, citing physical issues. And he was asked about returning to play the Sixers, and he played it light. He said, I'm ready to play. Is there something going on? He was asked about his departure and uh, how he expected there to potentially be bad feelings. And he said, in Philly, I know what's coming. It's part of the game. Philly fans, one thing about them, they're incredible. They're diehard in Philly, and they're everything Philly, whatever it is. I respect that about the city. It's a sports town. I was talking to Yuta Watanabe before the game about what it's like to play in Philly, and it's an incredible opportunity to do whatever jersey it is. That's Philly. It's a unique experience. So my question to you is, does that win him any brownie points for these Philadelphia fans? Because my gut says, and no. Nope. <laughs> and that does it for us here on <laughs> no i mean here's the thing here's the how thing br- how brutal does it get jordan it gets brutal but here's the thing you mentioned it uh uh in that you know in that question ben simmons is starting to play better ben simmons has always been a center he just never got the chance to be it because Nobody stuck him in the high post and said, here you go. Here's the ball. We're going to run four around one. So we're going to put four guys on the arc. We're going to put you in the middle. Go create action. If you get a double, you're a wonderful passer. Kick it out. If you can take your man, go take your man with your quickness. Nobody has given him the opportunity at six foot ten in an era where centers ball handle and do things. No one has given the, him the opportunity to sit in the post and the high post and move around the arc, post up and say, go. And Brooklyn 
has that opportunity to do that. So if Ben Simmons starts to get some confidence in himself again and starts to play well, Brooklyn actually has a situation around him that can make him really successful. That's what's interesting to me. Yeah. You could see the revitalization of Ben Simmons. But it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. No, it's going to be bad. On the court. I'm almost concerned to a degree. I, I can't think of many other Sixers, former Sixers players that will have been booed quite like this uh, among those Philly fans. But let's pitch a hypothetical scenario here. Let's okay. say the Sixers and Nets are playing a tight game. Let's say it comes down to the wire. And let's say Ben Simmons hits a game-winning shot. Oh, man. Will that be one of the most emotionally validating buckets in the history of the NBA? That would be so much fun to see just because, again, when you talk about Northeast fans, Northeast fans are a different breed. New York, Boston, Philly, they're different. They bleed with their teams in a way that borders on insanity. And if these Philly fans have got to walk out of that arena after Ben Simmons has hit like a 15-foot fall away over someone for the win, goodness gracious, will that get ugly. Oh, my goodness. That would be awesome. What a story that would be. It would be awesome. I love some chaos, and I'm all about organized chaos. That would be outstanding stuff there. Uh, This was fun stuff here, Jordan. I do want to add, by the way, before we wrap up, I also think on the Modern Era Committee, Fred McGriff's going to get in. So I do think it'll be a two-player class for the Hall of Fame. I think it'll be Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff. All right. I like it. That's I don't see Bonds or Clemens getting in on the committee. Do you see least, them ever getting in on the committee, yes or no? Do I see them ever getting ever in? Ever getting in on the committee, I yes or no? It is more possible than not. Okay. But I think that will be a matter of is time friendly to them? Okay. And is there ever an admission of guilt? Is there ever repenting? And we'll see. I, I don't ever see Pete Rose getting in. Nope, I agree. So will history be kinder to them? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. That's fair. But this was fun. That is something I am sure about. I appreciate you hopping on here. Where can people find your work, Jordan? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JordanCats11. Uh, my NFL draft stuff, which I normally start up about January, I'm not quite sure where that's going to wind up. But if you check my Twitter uh, regularly at JordanCats11, um, I will make sure to give something out about that. This was good stuff. We appreciate you guys every single Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Tune in to Out of Bounds right here on the Know Your News Network. we got a ton of great shows I know your news. I, I hopped on Know Your News just last week with Kate uh, Hensler, and it was super fun. We had a great time. So I highly encourage you guys to check out and subscribe to Know Your News if you have not done so already. We have a lot of fun looking at the lighter side or having a little fun talking about whatever the topic may be. This is good stuff, Jordan. We will see everyone next week. Me, O'Brien, will hopefully be back here on Know Your News <laughs> and Out of Bounds. Until then. We'll see you next time. Have a great week and happy holidays to you. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.